Hey, what's up? Hello. Rich Ryan here, bringing you another episode of the Reinforced Running Podcast today. I am super excited. We had my main guy, Josh Reed, back on the show. HHMC is back, sort of. We just kind of rehash some of our old conversations that we had. We talk about uh, being a fat-adapted distance athlete. We get really into the weeds, how we have in the past on a lot of the mechanisms that are, are created and just like we just kind of talk and kind of work things out about different styles of diets and how it will change your uh, response aerobically and aerobically how do your training so we spend about the first 30 minutes or so about that how josh uses those practices in his own training then we talk a little bit more specifically about some of josh's goals this year where he's going to be how his training's been how he's been uh, working on improving his race tactics it was just an awesome conversation you know josh is my guy so this was an awesome conversation super happy to have him back on the show so let's just do it my guy josh Reed. All right, we are now recording. Josh, read my friend. Hello. Hey, bud. Recording in progress. That she said it so nicely. Recording in progress. I'm like, oh, it has begun. It seems like it's like toying around with. I wonder if like they're getting feedback complaints about how the the automated person is letting the people know that the recording is happening. I like. I think it's courteous. Some people, you know, you want to know when you're being recorded. Some people might not see like a little red button up in the corner, and then they're looking like, oh shit, you're recording this whole time. That must be the, the main complaint, and then it's too it's too late. It's like gotcha, yeah. So we're we're recording on Zoom. Don't normally do Zoom, but Zoom does. Uh, it's it's reliable from that that perspective. And uh, so, my good friend Josh, you're here. So we've in in the past, it was about a maybe a year ago. We were knocking out weekly segments. HHMC, the Handsome Half Moon Cookies. That's you and I. So for those of you who have been listening for that long, appreciate that. You you know Josh well, uh, and for newer newer listeners. This is our guy. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, you'll get familiar with him over the time because we haven't ta- we haven't talked really in a while. You seem like you've been doing quite a bit of 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 stuff, quite a bit of moving around and, and stuff. A lot of mountain running is what you've been up For sure. To. Yeah, man, definitely kind of uh, closed my my sphere a little bit. It kind of centralized my focuses and uh, and yeah, like I moved out of the place that I was living. So our whole Wi Fi situation, the computer situation, the uh, the the ideal podcasting office uh you know that that whole that whole environment shifted and uh and yeah mental focuses had kind of shifted but we had some good ones going on you had you had that tight setup by the time we finished you had the uh, whole whole wire setup mic. and everything had a microphone still got that mic still got it it's still around not it's today like a, but i got it's there it's like a relic now of like you like a bronze it uh, so I figure wh- where I want to start is talking about like really on the first episode you ever came on, which was a, a while back, we did a kind of a deep dive on, you know, high fat versus high carb type of diets. And, and I want to kind of lean into that a little bit more just because we're just talking off air. And I know when I really dive into something and commit to it longer term, I, I just like, continue to think about it and really like understand the mechanics of it and and how it works and why it's something that I, I want to con- continue to learn about and, and agree with. So you've been doing this way of eating while training for in- endurance for a long time. And it's something that I've dabbled with, but never really committed to for the long term. So I'm interested because you have this, this now greater scope of experience with it. And you've been doing it for so long that you it's, it's not a phase. So I feel like a lot of people get into something like this as a way to, you know, try something new. 
they've read promises about it. They've heard different things, but like you're living it. You're like doing the thing. So I really want to talk about that. So the, when it comes, the, the one thing with the high fat versus high carb or, or, or whatever, however we want to talk about it is that there is not a ton of evidence that has been like studied in the lab that can really point to performance. There's anecdotal evidence both ways. And there's, there's some scientific data on like the way you eat and how it changes your, your fuel source, but how that relates to per performance hasn't, hasn't really emerged for the, the greater population to consume. So for, so Josh, why don't you just lay it out for us? Like, how do you, what is your understanding of is what is happening that is going to improve your performance while eating like more on, on a high fat end of things. And I guess just like, what do I even mean when saying high fat versus <laughs> high carb? Do you even like designate it that way? Dude, dude. Yeah. It's a spectrum. I don't like putting super hard numbers on it. Although I'm sure it's people would love to. Also, I love that we're coming around full circle. It's like came on talk about fat, like endurance training and nutrition and stuff the first time around. And here we are again. We're back. Yeah, man, not a lot. Not a lot has changed. It definitely wasn't uh, much of a fad for me. The, I think when we first talked, I was a little like more, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Like, uh, keto had a little bit of a deeper place in my heart. Uh, but I acknowledge more and more that like the reason I went into keto to start was mm-hmm. more for, uh, like cellular, cellular health. Like I was dealing with Lyme disease pretty bad mm-hmm, right. and that was a nice way to mitigate some of those things. And it just so happened that there could potentially be some endurance gains from that. But like, this is a controversial subject and I kind of like it because uh, there are a lot of different ways to dance around this. But like, what, first off, like, like the question, the answer to the question, like what is like high fat or low carb? I mean, it's all relative. Like a lot of triathletes um, from books that I've read, for some reason, triathletes more than anyone else just because their volume is so ridiculously high because you know they can swim and bike, and uh, those are low impact things. So, just like the volume they were putting in was ridiculous. So, six, seven hundred plus grams of carbohydrates a day seemed mm-hmm. to be pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's where I'm at, you know, that's that's like where I live, that's where the hundred mile man's at, yeah, yeah, so go on. and it's like it's like that, okay, yeah, those are calories, yeah, that for sure, that for sure helps, but what's happening like what's happening with your with your insulin and your hormones when you take in that much that much carbohydrate and is it ultimately necessary to have that much carbohydrate versus versus fat and like are people shunning fat away in favor for carbohydrate so like uh, i don't have my calculator out i like to think that my my head math is pretty good but it's like ultimately fat is more than twice the calories per gram so you could have like half the calories do 400 calories which maybe in your head is low carb to me that's like right in the middle that's right in the middle and it's like oh instead of 50 grams of fat now you're doing 150 or 200 and guess what your calories are pretty close to the same that they were so you're what that translates to potentially is like less uh, uh less fluctuations in your insulin and your blood glucose by the way I tried a glucose monitor on a couple of weeks ago we can talk about that in a bit yes uh, i would love to but yeah, so what that translates to is better insulin sensitivity. So when you do take in carbohydrates, you are more, uh, your cells are like more receptive and can take in those nutrients better. You can get the glucose out of your bloodstream, thus not spending time in a hyperglycemic state, which it can be damaging. So, so the whole thing behind the quote unquote, lower carbohydrate, higher fat approach 
it's like you can you can say it's for endurance or you can say it's for cellular health and you'd be right on both ends so for cellular for like cellular health and hormonal health it's like okay you don't have uh high levels of blood sugar constantly high levels of insulin uh and by the way when that happens you're doing a shitty job at mobilizing fat that's a valuable resource because it's twice as calorically dense which means right. if your mitochondria can use it that's a lot of energy so for like endurance gains, what you want is metabolic flexibility, which is the ability to use both fat and carbohydrate. And it's like, you can have your cake and eat it too, in some ways. Uh, and this is where my coming around has been. I know I'm like talking fast, but it's not a rant. It's like, I'm on track. Uh, <laughs> my coming about you. has been like, I went from keto, did a lot of fat, did get some metabolic gains there from becoming more fat adapted. Was it necessary to do keto? No, but it's a nice tool. But being lower, lower carb in general, uh, in my head, it's that's like, if you're under 250, I would consider that low carb for an endurance athlete. Uh, and, and if you time those carbohydrates, in other words, if you say you go 14 hours of the day without like any carbohydrates, what's, what do you use for fuel? Probably, probably some protein, but like a lot of fat, right. And even more fat over time as you get better at utilizing that fat. Uh, if you're not hungry you're, during that 14 hours, you're probably pretty, pretty adapted to your fat. And then you have your carbohydrates after the workout when you're super receptive to it. You have like that one insulin spike and you pull all these nutrients into your muscle cells and you get better recovery and all these glycogen stores, but you didn't have all the insulin fluctuations, thus you're more insulin sensitive. And mm. that's part of the way like metabolic flexibility works. So I'll stop so, there before I spit too much more. Spit hot, <laughs> spit hot fire. The hot the, fire, man. The, yes. So I love that you started with the, like the cellular level talking about the, the, the hormonal aspect of it, because that is something that from a performance aspect, it might not be like right in our faces, right? It's like, okay, cool. Like being hyperglycemic, like, like whatever. Like I just need to perform well. I just need to feel good and perform well and recover well. Like these carbohydrates seem to be doing it and like worrying about the long-term effects might, is it might not be at the forefront of at least my mind, <laughs> you know, to be honest. And I'm not sure how, that even relates to performance in the the short term. Would you say it does much outside? If like say, say, like and like you use it at you have a good way of saying it's like a tool, right? It's like like being able to become metabolically flexible by using low, uh, higher fat, low carb diet to help mobilize that fat and just and learn how to use that as a, a fuel source. And then I love the point about the being the uh, insulin sensitive, right? Like, because that does help. That helps. That's actually a, a catabolic. Like, like it helps you grow, right? It helps it like shuttles the like n- nutrients to your muscles. Right. And if you become, if, if you're not as, as receptive to that, that could be detrimental long-term, but like, does this, does this hurt performance? Like the hormonal effects and the hyperglycemic part, like, will that hurt short-term performance? Like I, uh, I can't really speak to that i don't really know what the detriments would be of continuing to uh, like so short as far as yeah performance performance wise i don't know i think health wise we definitely can say that uh having an improper ratio or what i would call an improper ratio of like carbs to fat too many carbs too often not enough uh fat in between uh hormonally uh cellular health wise you know, it's better to, it's better to have those things in, mm-hmm. in balance, but yeah, as mm-hmm. far as like running output on the track, I don't really, I can't really speak to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, so in my head, why wouldn't you do good on both ends? Right. 
Right. Yeah. And I was, I, I was just like, if I, I, like, I wasn't sure how that re- related in my brain or not, or if you had, you had thought about it much. And we should say that like, we're not doctors. Should we say that? I do, I do not have a DR. In front no, of my name. no, we don't. <laughs> uh, so we're just going to go ahead and put that out there. And a lot of this is just going to be like what we're thinking about with that, because yeah, spending a lot of time with how these things do do play a huge part in our performance and our recovery. And like what you said is something that I've found is when say like, I'm real dead set on getting calories through carbohydrates. And right now I'm spending a lot of time trying to put on muscle. Right. So like, like there it's, the evidence seems pretty clear that to put on muscle, like the carbohydrates are going to be necessary. Right. But even if I've like pushed those too high and the fats don't come with it, I have a hard, a worse time, like sleeping or just like, and like the hormonal part is, is big on that. Like my sex drive will drop it. Even if my carbohydrates are incredibly high and like calorically, it should be in a good spot. Everything's just not working well. So like the, like you mentioned about the ratio makes total sense to me, but then on the aerobic gains, like you had mentioned before, they're, they're, when you're mobilizing fat, right? It's the byproduct isn't as typically de- detrimental or, or can be as detrimental as if you're working, if you're burning on like what well, carbohydrates, we'll just use that as the term. And like, when you start like being able to like the, like the carbohydrates are what's going to make you produce the pyruvate or which will turn into lactate, which is like, which we'll go through your system faster, but the, the product, the byproduct is harder to deal with and eventually will, will kind of cause fatigue. So when there's not carbohydrate there is, do you just not produce, like, do you not produce that like anaerobic byproduct, like a pyruvate, like that turns into a lactate as much? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that would be my understanding. Yeah. If, uh, if like your mitochondrial function is sufficient to not have to go anaerobic with, uh, with, you know, being glycolytic, then that should be conducive to more sustained output by those mitochondria. And that's more or less endurance. And you're stressing the mitochondria more too in this state, right? Would that There's be more oxidation. Idea? There's more oxidation aerobic for sure. It's more oxidative yes. stress. Uh, and it's like, what does that mean for long-term health? I don't know The body creates, uh, endogenous antioxidants to, you know, like glutathione to fight against the oxidation that's going on. So I would think that it would be in line with the level of oxidation that's occurring, but, but yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, that engine is burning efficiently, fat, oxygen, oxidization of those fatty acids. It's like, that's uh, that's super duper sustainable. And you got a shitload of fat on you. And so how this could be beneficial to an endurance athlete would be that, cause you, you and I, we both coach, we're coaches. We um, and a problem that will pop up often in the athletes, especially newer ones who might not have a lot of uh, background in aerobic training. And, and, and Josh, you're not too far removed from this. I mean, you're, you're an aerobic monster now, and we'll get into some of your training a little bit later. But it, like you came into it a little bit later than, uh, in, in life than, than, than some, than I, than I have anyway. But a big problem that I see from people who aren't trained in it up front is that like they are probably getting glycolytic very often, even on their easy runs so Mm -hmm. that they're not necessarily able to get this aerobic benefit of like being able to uh, like the being able to, what is uh, oxidation? How come I can't say uh, oxidation, the ox, 
oxidative properties of it, right? (laughs) That was a struggle. I was trying to spell it in my brain. I was like, have I said this word before? Have I just read it? But proud of you, boy. You got it. Got it. I got it. So the oxidative properties of the aerobic uh, system, which ultimately will help your anaerobic system because you need that like aerobic capability to uh, oxidate the byproduct of lactate, right? So if you're always glycolytic, you'll you won't get that, like you won't get the necessarily adaptations that you need from your aerobic system to even mm-hmm. run fast for a long time, right? Even if you run fast in training, but even like newer runners, they run a little bit too fast and are kind of in that system all of the time, right? So would then working in a high fat diet? It's a way to expedite the price at the process of mitochondrial biogenesis. Yes. Right. It'll, it, it should help people avoid that. Right. It, I mean, dietary in uh, like a, a higher fat, lower, lower carbohydrate diet can be a way to in, increase mitochondrial biogenesis. If you don't have the carbohydrate to burn, the body's going to say, well, how the hell are we going to burn this fuel? Well, we got to, we got to create the engine to do it. Uh-huh. And that, that engine is mitochondria. Mm. Like anaerobic glycolysis happens outside of the mitochondria. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're right. Right. So, and then it gets, and then, sh- and then it gets shuttled back in the byproduct will get shuttled back in. Right. And there's the totally value to that. But like you said, you need that mitochondria to be able to, to handle that. Not, so having more mitochondria means better fat oxidation more or less. And it also means when you do go anaerobic, you'll be able to handle the, the byproduct that and recycle that, which lactate is super valuable. I forget how much ATP that is, but it's like, it's significant Huge when it's recycled. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't just have it right. If you, and like, that's where I think a lot of people like miss it by going too hard is that they're able to produce a bunch of lactate, but then they don't have the proper handling of it to sustain for a long time. And eventually if you're, if you're, if you're overloaded with that shuts down some mechanisms and you you get tired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole like mitochondria thing, it's like, if you, depending on who you are, if you have a lot of time, you should just move around a lot at a slow pace. Like you, I like to use the 180 minus age as the kind of standard mapatone formula. It might be a little conservative, but that's not a bad thing when it comes to, uh, you know, getting in your easy, your easy, uh, volume and trying Mm -hmm. to build mitochondria. So if you can't put in, you know, some significant hours there, you know, what, what is significant? Some people are like, you got to put in at least 15. That's a lot per week. You know, mm-hmm. if you're talking weekly for, for a you, regular person, for a regular person who's working, you know, 40 plus hours a week and you got yeah. a lot of things to do, you know, if you're only getting in uh six hours, say it's the off season, then the vast majority of that should be super easy. And that might mean you're walking or you're hiking, you know, it's uh, I think that's one of the things psychologically people think they have to run to get the benefits. Yes. Running makes you a better runner. But if you, if running means your heart rate is going to go significantly too high, then you're not really doing yourself a good justice there. And, uh, and I would look at ways to, to kind of keep that heart rate under control for the long term. Actually, I like shout out to the running public. They had a quote on there. I think Brack said, it's like pay now or pay later, you know, put in the work now, pay now and suffer (laughs) mentally suffer by walking to, to get in that easy work or whatever it is. So you don't have to pay later by being overly burnt out and having missed out on that, uh, on those endurance adaptations. But for, for someone that doesn't have a lot of time, the, you know, one of the, like keto or I shouldn't, I mean, keto is what, what, what are we, I was going to ask you because it's like a thing that is like the names change. And when like you saw it happen with like vegan, it's like, no, no, plant-based. 
So it's not it, like, it, like it, it's essentially the same thing, but it's moving away. Are you guys doing that? Are the fat adapted runners moving away from keto? It's a uh, athletic, athletic keto. I don't know if that's a term out there, but I'll throw it out there. Cause dude, I mean, I, again, you, you need to be, you gotta be hooked up to this shit. You gotta like have the technology you gotta, you know, whether it's a glucose monitor Testing or, it. or like, yeah. Oh yeah. And you got to test it. But I mean, they're from things that I've gathered just from, from hearsay, like people can be athletes can be over 200 grams of carbs a day and still be in ketosis. Maybe right. not throughout the entire day, but if you're metabolically flexible, maybe you're in ketosis for 12 plus hours out of the day. And then you take in your carbohydrates, it pulls you out of it, but you're flexible. And so it doesn't really matter to flip-flop between those two things. It's super fluid. I interrupted you and I hope you remember what point you were going to make, but I still want to ask you another question on top of what the interruption where that led us. Okay. We were um, talking about names. <laughs> before that, I interrupted you with the names. You were, going, you were starting to say something and I interrupted you and I forget now. But does, what do, does it even matter to get the adaptations aerobically to be in a ketosis do the ketones matter in terms of like that that like process that to metabolize energy for fuel without but like do you need ketones to still get that benefit of being low carb uh i'm gonna say no i don't think so I'm not hundred percent certain on that. Cause like ketones are brain function, uh, right. fatty acids are muscular function. So I think that if you, I mean, to be in quote unquote ketosis is like, it's the, it's the, it's the top. It's like, you're, you're at the top of the, of the edge there. We're like, okay, I am obviously fat adapted if I'm producing ketones and it's like, I have good brain function without carbohydrate. That's saying something you're like, you've made it there, but I don't think that that necessarily, I don't think that you need to be producing ketones to be fat adapted. I'd have, I'd have to get uh, a better professional <laughs> on that, on that particular thing there. But I think you're, I mean, like, just like thinking about it. Right. And like, that's going to be so far down the road. Like when people are trying to fight, figure that out in a lab, like what are ketones doing for, but they sell like exogenous ketones for mm-hmm. performance. Right. Yeah, actually I got to talk to Anthony more about that. Uh, who I'm staying with. Uh, another shout out to Running Public. Uh, he was on there. That's how I found out about him. And I've been hanging out in Durango here. But uh, you, just hit, you just hit him up. So if any podcast yeah. listeners, just hit up Josh. Just like, just do the thing. Hit him up. Go, go hang out in the mountains with him. Come to us. Come to us. Uh, the yeah, as far as ketones go, what I'm really interested about that is like what they actually do have to offer muscularly. Because we've talked about this before, uh, like how the brain ultimately shuts the body down to save itself because of energy. Uh, so, you know, and we've talked about like, like branched amino acids, like L-leucine, how it uh, competes in the brain and like reduces, I think serotonin. Uh, and, and so if you're thinking about like the central governor theory, if you can tell the brain it has energy, it'll be less likely to shut the body down. Okay. Uh, regardless of the energy state there. So if you have good ketones flowing in the system uh, and your brain is well fed, you have better brain function. One, you're just going to feel better. You have better focus. You might find flow state. You're going to feel more energized up there, which could translate to better body function, you know, because it's down the chain. I'll accept that's, this. This, this makes, think. this makes sense to me. I think that, I think that that, I think you did it, but, but no, you're right. Like if your if your if your brain doesn't think your body has energy, it's going to create something that is going to manifest in fatigue. Right. Indubitably. Yes. Maybe, maybe that is the route, but I think 
before I interrupted, you were talking about kind of how people could kind of get to that. Attain, yeah, how people could attain some of the benefits that you get from aerobic exercise without actually doing the exercise. Uh, and that is through, yeah, that you can do some dietary manipulation there. Uh, right. You, ultimately, the goal is mitochondrial biogenesis. And I think you were asking a question of like, well, does that happen? Is it better to get those mitochondrial adaptations through the activity, like running or through other? I mean, I would definitely or, say or, through the activity because yeah, that's going to localize it to the muscle. Right. Like how, how the diet will then kind of create that or help or help facilitate that. Like, yeah. like if people have the you know propensity to go too hard, right. And say like, even still, like they are still kind of training that way, but without the carbohydrates available. So I can see how this could be, get, this could get a little dangerous and tricky for some people, um, especially for like a higher or, or let's see. For, for someone who is going too hard all the time, um, if they don't res- respect the fact that there's a thing called stress balance and they reduce carbohydrate and they continue to work out too hard in that deficit, they just might get too stressed out and get burnt out. And that's, I don't recommend that. It's going to you know, suck. So if you're, it's <laughs> it's going to be suck. terrible for them. Yeah. Yeah. You could have a lot of cascading poor hormonal effects. You know, you're, everything's going to suck from sleep to sex and what else is important. So, uh, <laughs> So uh, if you just like to exercise for the fun of exercise, then you really shouldn't care about this. But most of the people listening to us right now probably do care about getting faster in some regard. So, so if you, first of all, don't go too hard all the time, respect your heart rate. Uh, But, but as far as like carbohydrate goes, you do need some. Uh, I I do think that is good for all of us to have some in there. because too little, again, it can stress you out. And if you already are working like full-time job and you have a lot of other stuff going on, then that stress balance is going to be in the negative mm. and uh, it's going to be in the red. You want to be in the green. So, yeah. so one of the ways I've, I said before, like we can have our cake and eat it too. One of the ways we might be able to do that is by not fully fasting. You don't necessarily need to fully fast, but by timing your carbohydrate. So if you, if you wake up in the morning and you have your, you know, your oats and blueberries or whatever, which sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> but if you do that, like you're going to get an insulin spike and that's going to kind of shunt your, uh, your fat burning for a while. And, and then depending on how metabolically flexible you are and what the insulin, uh, uh, spike and plummet does, how, you know, how extreme that is, you might get very hungry soon and feel like you need carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So you're never really getting that metabolic flexibility, but if mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning, uh, whether you just have a cup of coffee, uh, or you fast entirely, or you just have, um, uh, a high fat breakfast like you know steak and eggs here we go bacon you know the, you can still get the fat burning benefits because you haven't spiked your insulin you're not you're not really uh uh focused on carbohydrates because if there's carbohydrates in the system the body's going to want to use it and so and so that from what i've read is going to be conducive to mitochondrial biogenesis because again if you don't have this uh if you don't have this fuel that's easily burned both, I mean, you can uh, have aerobic glycolysis, but there's also anaerobic glycolysis, but there seems to be, again, based off of what I've read, a higher fat, uh, a higher fat approach, or at least not having carbohydrates for an extended period of time is conducive to mitochondrial biogenesis, which again, is that fancy word for making more mitochondria. Um, But yeah, the question is, it's like, what does that really mean as far as where that mitochondria goes? 
Like, <laughs> where is that mitochondrial density improving? I wonder if, if you are even exercising a little bit, if that signals the body to improve, or, or sorry, if that sends the signal to the body to increase mitochondria more specifically in the muscles that you work most frequently. That I'm unsure about. But regardless, regardless, irregardless. Irregardless. Ear, eardrum. Um, yeah, I mean, it's best to, you know, if you're doing both of those things, if you're exercising easy, and you are partaking in a diet that's conducive to metabolic flexibility, such as having a restricted carbohydrate window for anyone that says that like, we're totally off the mark here and you need carbohydrates. I'm saying you can have it, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can eat your carbohydrates, but condense the window, time it, uh, time it wisely. And we can talk about what that means, but like, and I think this is a, this is a good, more or less intro into it because yeah, I worry about the people you had mentioned before about their stress scale, like getting into the, into the red, right. The people who are always going to go all in, it's like, all right, I'm going, I'm going keto, but I'm not changing any of my workouts. And they're just not going to ease themselves into it, but this would be a nice way to kind of do that, to kind of feel what that might be like in, in some sort of fasted state. So let's, and you mentioned heart rate real quick. And this is another question I have about this as well, because typically from the information we have, which is not great in terms of like the metrics that are available to us and like what's actually happening internally for us and like how we're, we're creating this energy and like where it's coming from. Like we're not really, we're not necessarily going to know on, uh, on just like your regular run, right. On like a Wednesday afternoon, like where it, where it is. But so people are typically looking at their heart rate and trying to, use that as their aerobic threshold, right? Like, so they're moving out of that and like, okay, now I'm I'm more into like the sugar burning zone or whatever you want to call it. But again, with, if they're, if you're lower, if you're lower carb, higher fat in this, and your heart rate is still getting to the point that would be outside of what we would consider your aerobic threshold is does it even matter then that metric, the heart rate? For so, it? so let me tell me if I'm understanding you right. It's like, once you hit a certain point, you're going to be more carbohydrate, carbohydrate dependent, no matter what. So why shun the carbs? Uh, not, no, 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 not necessarily. It's that it, so yes, yes. Once you hit a certain point, right? Like that's like the lab testing that we have right now, right? They'll give you this, this number of like your heart rate and like when it crosses from fat into, uh, carbohydrates right and then mm-hmm. that that's the heart rate that at this one specific time while you're in the lab where that number where, where your your fuel source changed and mm-hmm. then people will take that number and put it into practice into their regular training and be able okay, to stay under this so that i can keep my uh stay in that fat burning zone but or in the metabolic you're staying at the metabolic efficiency point where you're at a sustainable ratio of carbs to fat Yes, 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 yes. That's a better way to put it. But if there are not carbohydrates necessarily available in the system, will your heart, can your heart rate go higher than what it would have been in that lab and still be working in that, in that, uh, that, uh, threshold zone? You know okay. what I mean? Uh, so are you saying like you to like get that top end percent, it's like, say to get from uh, to get your heart rate up like that little extra, can you not do that without the carbohydrate? 
Yeah. Like what if your, if your heart rate gets into, into that zone anyway, but there's no carbohydrate to use, mm-hmm. will you still be using fat? Like you kind of, ha- or will it start I mean, turning you, protein into, you will, you will yeah. use fat. Um, I right. mean, there are some people who have some crazy fat oxidation rates. I definitely don't have the numbers in front of me, but there are some people who can burn a ridiculously high percentage of fat compared to carbohydrate at a really high percentage of their VO2 max. Um, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I think the, the guy's name that gets thrown around a lot, who is a good poster boy for kind of this conversation. That's Zach Bitter, mm-hmm. uh, who, who eats a very high fat protein diet, very low carbohydrate diet most of the time, most of the time. And he can run very, he can run, you know, sub sevens for, for a hundred miles, hundred miles. Yeah. And yeah. so very high fat oxidation. Now the question is, right. Would he be what would things look like if you had to run five minute miles for a shorter race? Well, then carbohydrates would play, would play more of a, a role there. It's like, can he do it? Yes. Will carbohydrates help though? Yeah, for sure. Um, also, by the way, he, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to him, but based off of what I've heard, it's like he does uh, reintroduce carbohydrates as he approaches his event because by taking carbohydrates and doing more high intensity workouts, you will upregulate like glucose transporters and your body will become more receptive to using glucose. And that doesn't mean you lose your metabolic flexibility mm-hmm. or sorry, that doesn't mean you lose your ability to burn fat. It means you improve your metabolic flexibility because mm-hmm. now you can use carbs and fat depending on what's around for the fuel for then like fueling during a race, right? Like he could then rely mm-hmm. on, on yeah. like regular gels or goose or whatever. Yeah, he can totally, he can totally toss those in. Yeah, I'm sure he's using some high tech shit or like some super start or something. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, right. I think what we, I think what we've talked about in the past. I still, I still adhere to that belief. It's like having a higher, a higher fat, lower carbohydrate diet is is a good thing as far for like metabolic flexibility. But when it comes to moving really, really fast, like there's a certain there's a certain speed that you're going to hit a certain energy uh, or a certain like power output that's going to require uh, energy. And it's like carbs do burn like faster um, and, and being good at using that. And like, like we talked about before, like recycling uh, lactate to be used again, like there's a lot of right. value in that. So as the events get shorter and quicker, probably all the way down to like, I don't know, four, 800 meters, uh, as, as they get shorter down to that point, like it is good to be able to use carbohydrates. So taking like that Zach bitter approach, I'm super into that where it's, uh, it's, you have a little bit less most of the time. And then maybe in like in the weeks leading up to your event, you take a little bit more and a little bit more and just let your body know it's like, Hey, I'm giving you this, use it, use it well, use it fast. And it's like, those adaptations happen really quick. Like building mitochondria takes a lot of time, but those enzymatic adaptations, uh, to my understanding, they happen pretty gosh darn quick. Yeah. And using this as a tool to develop your aerobic system is a little bit more interesting to me, right? Not necessarily using it for a performance tool on race day. You know, there's definitely like the Zach Bitter example is perfect for that. It's like when he knows he needs to crank it up, he knows the fuel source that is going to get him there a little bit faster. So he's not leaning specifically on it, but he's using it to help develop this massive aerobic system. Um, and then when it's time to, to, to switch it up, he will, which I appreciate. And that's something that I'm, I'm interested for, for your, for you and your sake, what this is going to look like with the races you got coming up. So are you, are you leaning? So will you do the same thing? Like, cause you're doing, are you doing Tahoe? Is Tahoe going to happen? What do you, what are your thoughts? So, so we're recording this. Today's the ninth. That today's we're recording the ninth. this mm. tomorrow. 
is when they're sending out the email, or at least based on the prior email I got from them. If they're on time, they'll send out an email on the 10th, that's tomorrow, letting us know if the event's going to happen or not based off of the progression of the fires. And, you know, it's like, of course, we hope that, uh, that the fire uh, get, gets a little bit more under control, mostly for the sake of people's homes. But it's like, yeah, racing would be cool too. So we'll see right. what happens. If it, if it goes through 100%, 100%, on Nice. I mean, my training right now is just like, it's so on par for it. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, you know, I did that event once in was it 2019. I went there. Like at the uh, last second too, like you weren't gonna, you did yeah, Killington. Bought my, bought my ticket days before. <laughs> you did Killington two weeks before you did the uh, Citizens Bank the week before you got third there. You got second there. I got second there. Holla. But then, but then in Tahoe, you showed up and you got, you were what, 18th? No, it was 21st. I had, uh, 21st. I had, a, I had such a fun time, but I no doubt made some, uh, some, some errors, uh, between fiddling around too much with like gloves. Uh, I, I overdressed. I was warm. Uh, I dropped my, my goo when I was fiddling. I dropped my nutrition when I was fiddling with my gloves. And so I was nutritionless for the second half of the race. And I just totally bonked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which is doable so, on a course like that, that is, it's a bonkable course. It's a, it was, yeah, it's a bonkable course. Well, also I went out, I went out very, uh, I went out pretty hard. I, I was like 30th to the top of the hill and I was 15th by, I got, by the time I got to the bottom of the hill, and I was super excited. And I that's how you roll really out. I don't know, but that's not going yeah. out hard. You went out, you probably went out conservative yeah, because right. that, that's you're how right. you roll where I, I was. And I must say, I think I finished like 27th, 28th. So, so you, you mm-hmm. got redemption that day and most other days in the mountains, but that, um, but yeah, you, I would say you went out conservative and then really, cause I lost it. We were together A-panger. at, uh, at a panger, but also we were together in the water. We were together. I mm-hmm. caught your ass on the double sandbag carry and, <laughs> and then we were running together in, into the water. And then that was before the descent. And I, I think we were together there. And so I must've been in, we must've been like maybe 21st, 22nd, maybe at that point. And then you were gone. There was no, like, there was no you and I racing anymore after from the descent. So that's yeah, where I a lot of people on. on that downhill. But it's also interesting. I used the, uh, I used the word bonk. Like I, I bonked. Uh, yeah. I was trying to figure out what happened that day. Cause I did go, I did go hard. I was really warm. I would have liked to have nutrition. Cause again, like, do I feel like I'm metabolically flexible for sure. But like at, at a certain level of intensity, carbohydrate is really valuable. Um, and I think that those races oh, yeah. uh, are definitely one of those, one of those times where it's super valuable. Um, and you know, there was altitude and all that shit, but guess what? Those, those are all excuses that I'm not going to be bringing in this year. Just saying that no excuses. And, um, and plus, well, because you're now going to be, you've been training at altitude. So like, yeah, you can't, you can't have that <laughs> excuse anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. You're asking if I'm going to use the same approach this year. That was the, that was the question leading into it. And the answer is it is slightly different. I have, I'm going to, I was a little more, uh, shy to carbohydrates, then I have been using them more, but I'm still very, I'm still very spot on with the timing. Um, I don't eat carbohydrates in the morning. I usually have coffee and go out and do a run, whether it's hard or it's easy. Um, I will, by the way, I will use carbohydrates for the harder runs, uh, in the next couple of weeks, just to be specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, eating, eating carbohydrate afterwards. So again, trying to have the cake, eat it too. Uh, probably having 200 to 300 grams of carbohydrates on most days, but that's from the hours of like 12 to eight. So you figure I'm still going, uh, 16 hours without any significant insulin spikes. Will you eat more carbs the night before a hard workout? If you're working out in the morning, 
Will not you time it really, that I, way. I stay. No. no, I've been pretty. I've been pretty steady uh, in that that two to three hundred range, and that just seems to be where I feel really good. Uh, and yeah, moving. I mean, going into an, an event like Tahoe um, in the day prior, I really probably won't have any more carbohydrate. I will say, when I first came out here to altitude, uh, since it is a little bit, uh, you know, oxygen, the whole the whole way things work up there on the, the slightly lower availability of oxygen, carbohydrates were a little bit more of my friend. And there were actually some uh-huh. mornings where I took it just to, again, kind of keep that stress balance in order. I didn't want uh-huh. them like training a bunch. I thought I'd be able to reduce stress by having a little more carbohydrate available just during that initial adaptation period uh, with the altitude. Smart. But I think so. I think so. It seems to work out. I've been responding really well. So, and ultimately that's, that's one of the biggest things, right? Just like, how do you, how do you feel when you're doing all of this stuff? Uh, and that that's where the evolution has come along, right? From like what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, in the beginning it was like, this is the way. And now it's like, well, let me make, let me see what feels best and whatever feels best. That is, that is probably, probably the way. Um, but back, back to, so you're going to prepare for Tahoe, eat a little bit more carbohydrates, you've been doing some elevation stuff. What's your, uh, like, what are your, what are your weekly numbers like? Are, how much elevation are you able to put in now? Cause you, even before you were out in Tahoe, you were up in the Adirondacks, right? You went from Catskills, moved up to the Adirondacks for a little bit. Mostly the whites. Okay. Yeah. White Mountains in New Hampshire. Nice. Mm-hmm. Solid. And then made your way West. I thought you were going to be in West Virginia and then you're like, ah, I drove to Colorado instead. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, well, the idea was like being in Colorado for a few weeks, then hit West Virginia, then go do like uh, Killington and New Jersey and OCRWC and then go back out for Tahoe. And I was, I was feeling quite ambitious and I think more ambitious than the races was, uh, it was just the driving, the amount of driving, uh, after driving three days out here from New York, it's like my, my ass, like literally my sits phones were so upset with me. Like my butt was sore for days and I didn't like that. Uh, I just kind of feel like crap. I realized like yeah. I like driving, but being in the driver's seat and that captain's chair for too long, it gets to you. Uh, but that, that's just one of the reasons I didn't go to West Virginia. The other reason was uh, training is just going great and I want to keep it steady. Yeah. Um, Killington and Jersey are not specific towards Tahoe or WTM. And my wrist is not 100%. And I'm just, uh, I'm just continuing to, to work that and get and improve that. So keep hurting your hands. Stop hurting your hands. I know, dude. Well, this one's, the, the last one was a good amount of drama, but, uh, but things are working fall? out. Actually, odd no, dude. It's a, it's a funny story. I was like doing a Turkish get up with the dumbbell, which I never do. I always use a kettlebell. How heavy? Go ahead. Okay. It. All right. Here's the story. So I go into the gym. It's a Thursday. Yeah. I don't know if it was a Thursday, uh, but I, I wanted to, I was like, I'm gonna do Turkish get-ups today. And I usually do Turkish get-ups in, uh, in another gym. There was like no one, it's a garage, just so much space. And I have like my 44 kilogram bell there that I can throw up. Uh, and that's, that's like 97 pounds or something like that. Lightweight. And I was feeling super confident with that. Uh, but I go into the gym, I want to do some get-ups. And I thought, shit, they only go up to 50. That's too light. I'm like, well, dumbbell should be good. Uh, but I'm obviously not going to go right for a hundred because I know the weight's going to be different. I know the way it's going to feel. My hand's going to be different. Yeah. So I pick up the weight. It's a 75. I'm like, I think, I think this feels good. Uh, and I go and I, and I put it up. I'm like, mm, the weight feels a little bit off. Let me go smooth through. You're it. holding so it I, in the middle of the bell, the middle of the bar. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, like it's the balance on the both sides on your wrist on the back. Right. And it kind of pulls right. your arm back a little bit. So the dumbbell with the weight being totally centered over my, my forearm. It didn't have the same. It's got to be way harder. Feel. It's got to be way harder. 
I would think so, unless you unless you train with it. Of course, it's a different type of wrist control. And also, this was like a fat grip dumbbell. I mean, the gym's doing it right. So grip strength does. So, uh, anyways, anyways, go. I go up to the first move. I'm like, okay, that feels that feels good. And then I go up to the hand, and I felt my weight was just a little off. And like in that moment, I recognized, like, okay, I fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I went too heavy. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna. And it started to go. I'm like, I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna dump it. And as I go to dump it, my peripheral vision, I see some people like walk Ugh. right next to me and I go, oh shit, this weight's going to crush them. And I tried to save it, which no one should do. Don't save your weight. It was like, it's either me or them. So I took the hit and I, and I grabbed the weight on the way down and like my, it pinned my elbow to the ground. I didn't like, pull my elbow out of the way enough. Uh, so you're like, yeah. you didn't break something. I know. Right. But well, maybe even better. Up. Maybe even better. You've been dealing with the rest thing for a minute. <laughs> Dude, my, wrist broke your pretty, elbow. my wrist was pretty blown up anyways yeah it just uh it landed in a pretty in a pretty shitty way but uh, that's the that's the yeah. thing with it was it was good it was a humility it was like uh, a good humility moment you know it's like okay uh it's a new it was a new skill to use a dumbbell over a kettlebell yeah uh i got i got a little too excited there and you know what? also i i you know you gotta look at the bright side of everything it's like okay my wrist is kind of fucked up, but like I'm already more strong than I need to be for anything in OCR. Like I'm just gonna focus on running. I run now. That's all I do. No, yeah, true. <laughs> That's the thing with the Turkish getups, man. It's like you can't really replicate it through volume. You know, it has to be intense. So if you did it like 50 a bunch of times, it'd be like, what? It- it's not, not. Yeah, it has to be a proper load. It's got to be heavy. It's got to be intense. Well, yeah. yeah, that's 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 pretty scary actually. Because that's a it's a little bit. It's definitely a scary movement when you start. Even with, and just like the kettlebell like you can kind of let that because with a dumbbell you probably can't let your like were you trying to keep your wrist neutral the whole time or was it flat or did, did it bend your did it bend your wrist back because that doesn't seem like it'd be a good position with a, a, a yeah it rolled dumbbell. off the front it rolled off the front so it rolled like i let it go out of my palm and kind of like over my chest instead of dumping it behind me because again oh. i was in a more crowded space and it's just it wasn't a good environment to do it and I was nervous that I'm just going to hurt someone, which would have been way more embarrassing than hurting myself. Well, so I'm glad you were able to kind of put in more, more running because <laughs> that's something that, I mean, this year in the national series, like the, it seems like the space has been. Dude, peeps are fast. Peeps are fast, but like, it's also, it's, it seems more open than it has been in the past. And the, and the people who are making progressions are now finding themselves in like these podium contention. And I think that that would be where you would be. You'd be in the top 10, I think in all these races and closer to five than 10, I would, I would think. So like in Tahoe, I mean, like without, we don't necessarily need to put any type of uh, like outcome based goal here, right? Like what what place you're going to come in that that's not necessarily what matters really. Like just like what effort you're able to kind of put forward is, uh, is always what, what we want. Right. But so like, mm-hmm. how do you think, what would you do different? What do you think about doing different in Tahoe this year? I, uh, well, it's going to be weather dependent. I am, I'm not going to bring the gloves like I did last time. Did you have leg mitts or I just didn't. gloves? I had a, I had a, so I waited till I got out of the water and then I put on a pair of like of literally ski mitts. <laughs> didn't you? Th- so everyone had to work with what I got. <laughs> Just, I've made that mistake. There's like, like making like just whatever work with what you have for OCR. It doesn't, it never goes well. It's like the bleg mitts are the gloves that you have to wear. And like those like little windbreaker jackets, which you do have, or like that's mm-hmm. what you have to wear if it's wet. Didn't you put, so there's different strategies for people going into that water. Did you put clothes yeah. on going into the water? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you I put, put my windbreaker on. On, 
right? Where other people like Atkins up front, he like he said like he like wasted time putting his taking his clothes off and putting it in a, a wet sack or whatever and a dry yeah. wet sack would be bad. Dry sack would be better. Yeah. So he put it in, in one of the dry things and then went swimming with it and then sometimes. But you put your clothes back on, right? And went in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, because I, I I got warm going up the hill like where the wind wasn't. And then like when we crested over, I can't remember if I was, no, I wasn't wearing it when we did a banger. Yeah. I didn't recognize I was like, okay, I'm just like slightly chilly. I should just, I should just put it on because I know like in my experience, those rain jackets or like those windbreakers, once they get wet, they're hard to get on and off. Like they're really weird. They are, they are. So yes. I decided to put it on before getting in the water, knowing yeah. that I might have a tougher time when I get out. And I, and uh yeah, I thought, you know, it might be a more of a barrier between me and the water. Anyways, that's what like Rob, I'm pretty sure Rob Killian just went in as he was. Like, I did he too. Did I had zero no changes. He was mm-hmm. in and out. Yeah. I had, to, I did yeah. the same thing. Like I was wearing a similar type jacket that what you put on and it came out like, it's weird, right? Like it was like, my jacket was full of water and like, I had to like, you know, raise my arms to get out. Like, <laughs> I think I unzipped my jacket to like let all the water out, but like halfway down the mountain, I was dry. And I, I may, and it sounds like you run warm. I run pretty warm too. So I overdressed, but like, yeah. like, yeah, but right. Exactly. We're mo- a lot of people like had to bail because they like they hypothermia were, or some shit. Yeah, totally. Where you and I were like warm enough. We're just, we're just burning hot mm-hmm. dudes out there just running <laughs> the mountains. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know what the weather is going to look like, but I'll simplify my strategy. Uh, I'll simplify my um nu- nutrition i'll have a bottle with uh with my maple syrup mixture in it instead of some goose on my hip that i can easily lose uh yeah and i'll i'll definitely wear something less warm on my legs because i wore like thermal tights my legs just ran way too hot yes oh you like, were full tights. I, mm. I went full tights yeah i was wearing that sponsor brand on it <laughs> had to that's what you had i had to you gotta get some of those like tattoos or something the, uh, totally, I told him about that. Yeah, you're already, you're already gonna get. Where are you gonna put one that that you're like? Where could it's a visible? Yeah, it doesn't blend in with the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Josh, <laughs> it's like, damn, Josh went face tattoos now. Um, what about how you feeling about your climbing? I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I did a lot of climbing earlier in the year. Uh, I just did the incline, the Manitou incline. Uh, the home in of Jack Bauer. Yeah, we hit it. We hit it when I got into Boulder before I was acclimated. I was rested, but not acclimated. I did it's like much. 24. It's further south than Boulder, right? It's like, yeah. Col- oh, yeah, Colorado Springs. I'm sorry, yeah. closer to the Springs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, it starts in the sixes and ends up around eight or something. In like That's- a mile, isn't it? Is it crazy, dude? It's less than a mile. It's like point eight two miles and eighteen hundred feet of gain. That's like crazy. it maxes. It maxes out at like sixty five percent at the top incline. What? So are sweet. you on your hands? So a lot of people are, but no, no, not, not you. I. Not no, you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, the incline's really interesting because it's there's steps. It's not like you know there has to be steps or else you'd slide down it. And so it, it, I feel like body type definitely has a huge influence on how you do there because like the steps are are a set size. So it's, if you have long legs versus short legs, someone's going to have a like a mechanical advantage. Like that step's going to feel more natural for them. So, uh, so that, that that was interesting, but I really appreciated. I really enjoyed the challenge because your, the step was super awkward. It is this a? It, this is like a like people will use this as a benchmark, right? Like, do you have yeah. an idea of what a time? Dude, I've, I've never seen so many people on a segment, like thirteen thousand people on a segment. Oh, is, is it crazy? Like yeah, that? <laughs> dude, it's crazy. It's there's so many people that go there. I mean, you have to reserve a slot, 
to to go up the incline now because it's so busy. What? And I guess yeah. that's 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 a very Colorado thing, right? Where it's I respect it. People are gonna go. I thought I did the same. Like just running in Colorado for the couple of days that I was there is like some of these regular ass trails that seem they just seem normal. Like people were blitzing them. <laughs> like every segment seemed just like insane, crazy fast people on them. There's a lot of fast people out here, man. Yeah, you go through like Boulder, Denver, uh, and here in Durango, lots of bikers, lots of mountain bikers. Like mm-hmm. there's some shredders. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, some real shredders, like national level, world level. That's where you go. That may, just makes sense. Like why? Why wouldn't you be there? What was your What was your time? And what's like a good time? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what a good time is. I think that if you if you're if you're like teen anything, if you're sub twenty, then that's fucking dope. I think that sub twenty gets you in the top ten. On that segment oh. in top ten, you have like you know, Joe Gray and Stian Agamund and uh, oh, who else? Uh, Seth James Demore. Uh, you know, pro professional athletes are, right. are going are going under twenty. Um, I like Rob Killian when he won the World Championships at Tahoe in twenty fifteen. He did twenty one. Uh, it's either low to it's low to mid twenty one on the way up. And then his round trip was 40 on the money. And so I went there the other day and I did 23.52 on the way up. I, I beat Ray Coble by one second. Take one that. second, dude. Take it. <laughs> I said, howdy, neighbor. She's a, she's a world she's champ. Juggling. So that, that's faster Word. than a world champ. <laughs> I, I was stoked on it. Uh, but I, I crushed the downhill even with an abdominal cramp. So I ended up getting like 41 and change for the round trip. Nice. Which put me on the leaderboard. But if we're being real, it's like, all the guys who are crushing the ups, I doubt they're even trying on the down. If they did, I'd probably still beat them, but they're probably not trying. Let them know. So uh, the the <laughs> yes, okay. So, so yeah, how long did you? I bet you're were you on Strava, just like looking at every everybody who's been on it. Do you have the Strava paid? Are you paying for Strava? Yeah, I'm paying for Strava. You almost have to when you move when you're out in a place like Colorado. You got to see. Yeah, you have to. They make it real yeah. annoying with this paywall. <laughs> It's real annoying. So yeah, I would imagine it being out there trying to see segments. It's like a big where it's more part of the culture. Like I don't need to pay for that shit. You know? It's cool. It's been a really good way to explore the mountain ranges. Just like go to the map and see where the like see where the what's the word? Oh, the heat map. The heat map. So even if there's not a segment, you can see where people have people go. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And which has been really cool because like it'll show areas where there's not really a trail, but you're like you're pretty convinced there's a way to get to the top of the mountain. Heat map. Ah, oh, interesting. So, so it's not like anyone like- went up. If- Whereas opposed to like all trails, it wouldn't, it would just kind of show you what the. All trails has been garbage out here. Honestly, really? it was great. It was great in New York, uh, but out here it hasn't been very good. It's just not picking up all the trails. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's left out the majority of the ones that I've looked for, honestly. I'll like, Oh, here's this peak over here. That's a tall one. I'm going to go run that. Let's find out on all trails. Not a. Huh. That's nothing. All, tra- all trails ain't, ain't for the real ones. Looking for them. Real peaks. <laughs> Um, yeah. anyway, okay. to answer the question, the, the, the climbing seems pretty, seems pretty good, but, uh, but I've been focusing more on just running, just running. I'm still getting like 12,000, 13,000 over the course of 75 miles the past few weeks. Let's go. Nice. 75 miles. All yeah, right. It's, also, it's definitely the, the most sustained mileage I've done and it feels really good. I mean, this has been a really good environment. Uh, like the, you know, the focus is running and recovering and enjoying your time so you know you, you get good sleep you go for a run it's easy runs most of our runs are nine to 11 minute miles yeah i mean you know uh yeah, how much <laughs> how fast could they be i mean i mean you're like 
climbing crazy in that altitude. Yeah. You're at like, aren't you, aren't you above like 7,000 feet quite a bit? What are you living at? Oh, uh, the house is like, yeah, right at seven, which huh. is pretty ideal. And most of our runs, like if we go do our typical run, we'll just like go touch eight. Uh, but there's a lot of easy places around here to go, go out a couple times a week and hit and start at nine, go up to 12, 13. That's high. So, did that hurt your recovery at all? Did you feel, or did you feel like you bounced back, bounced back pretty well from last night? Took a nap to bounce back. Hey, uh, it's been, dude, the recovery has been really good, man. I mean, just, nice. uh, it's, and that's kind of the, the one Ben, I think the biggest revelation out here is, uh, is, is that ultimately it's like, yes, there is a such thing as overtraining, but under recovery is the biggest culprit. Uh, if you can sleep enough, if you can hydrate enough, if you can eat enough, if you can listen to your body and do the, you know, do, do warmups, do dynamic stretches, uh, you know, roll your body out, hang out underneath the, the red lights that they got here and just, just kind of, yeah, take care of yourself. Then you're going to feel, you're going to feel good the next day. There was, there was a, a quote we used in an HHMC that was like some meathead bodybuilders has said something exactly. Like, There's no overtraining. It's just like under fueling and under sleeping or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's simple, but I mean, it's, it takes mostly, a lot. It's mostly true. It takes know? a lot, right? Yeah. To, to, ke- to keep up, to, to make sure you are properly recovering. It's not just like, all right, just like chill out every once in a while. Like you have to be, you have to actively over recover right you have to actively fill things in right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the body's pretty smart you know it's like if you do something to it it wants to it wants to adapt to it because you know if you do something that's damaging and it doesn't recover or if it doesn't adapt then that's going to be damaging again so it's like oh that kind of sucked how can we make that less shitty let's try to adapt right. well in order to adapt you got to have energy available that's calories you know you got to have uh you got to be able to allocate that energy that's sleep you know, getting sleep early, getting that deep wave sleep, getting the, the, the heightened growth hormone during your sleep and all that goodness. Um, and then, yeah, like just kind of moving blood around in, in less vigorous ways, you know, so instead of like running hard exercise, just like gently foam rolling or scraping, uh, or, you know, hanging out under like, uh, they got the red lights here and like near infrared, which is supposed to be good for like collagen production, but it's also good for blood flow. Hmm. You know, so all those, all those little things. So you so- can adapt. All right. So climbing feels good. The scents are always banging. You see yourself a top. Are you going to, are you going to try to engage you think with the top squad? Like you figure there's going to be people. Cause that's been the thing, right? Like for you is mm-hmm. the, the make it like calling me out, calling you out, bro. <laughs> like the, the way you run your races, you, you run very true to yourself, right? You, you're, you're conservative out front maybe either because your climbing is not on the same level as others, or you just know like how to manage your energy and what it's going to take to, to finish stronger. But typically you're not going to bang with the leaders. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but you still find yourself in that space. I mean, like you've podiumed literally in every East coast race, except Palmerton, right. You just don't have what it takes to show up to Palmerton. You just won't, <laughs> do it. You, just, you just won't be there. So <laughs> But like you, you always you're always in in contention, no matter what race you're ever in. But in a race that's so big, like a, like a national series or like a North American Championships, where it's so crowded, you haven't necessarily put yourself there, right? Like, are you thinking of doing that, or are you going to kind of keep with the same strategy? Like, or like, what are the pros and cons? Are you weighing out? 
So the thing that I've observed mostly in myself is the inability to recover well once I have redlined too hard. You know, that's that's kind of been my weakness. And and I do like finishing strong psychologically. It feels really good to pass people that went out too hard. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of a boost in and of itself. But yeah, yeah, I do acknowledge that I have to, I do have to at least keep in contact. And so that's my goal for, for Tahoe. On that first climb, keep in contact. I don't want to see those guys disappear. Visually? Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can smell them, you know, hear them. Uh, and what that might look like is I for, I'm going to end up, you know, I'll look into the, uh, I'll look into the Stravas of, of the racers and see, you know, like what, what Killian was doing and see Atkins who did go out conservative, super conservatively and ended up finishing super strong. I'll look at their splits and I, I, you know, I'd like to be within 5% of their time to the top of the first mountain. Cause if I can do that, I'm going to beat them to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's going to beat me to the bottom of the hill. Uh, and I think that if my endurance and durability, if my durability is still there and if my endurance is really good, then, you know, the second half of the race is like, <laughs> let's just, let's just push it and see what happens. So, cause that second, the second climb, it, it starts around like eight or eight or nine miles. I could be mistaken. I got to look at it, but you know, it's a long first climb and descent. And then you meander up the second climb, which is smaller, but steeper. It's steep. It's, mm-hmm. it, it sucks pretty top. bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I would be, I'd be elated if I could get to the bottom of the hill in the top five. Uh, I think if I can do that, then I could probably finish top five. hundred percent. I like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So it's, there's definitely going to be a bit more aggression out of you from the front. At least you think that that's how it needs to be, but not necessarily needing to sit on shoulders, right. It was still being able to kind of lean into the things that are your strengths. Yeah, I think that I don't feel the need to sit on their shoulders because I will go past them so fast on the downhill they won't be able to respond. Yeah. The uh so have you is there a way that you've tried to practice kind of getting in over your head going up and recovering, or is that just something that you've been banging your head against? Like, or just something that happens in training and you're like, oh crap, like this it always ends up being that if I'm getting out too hot it's going to be hard to kind of bounce back or have you been putting yourself there or does that, would that even matter? You think? Not yet. I'll do that. I'm still a couple of weeks out. And I'll end up doing that a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, right. Right now, just over the past few weeks, just been doing uh, more tempo than usual. Every Wednesday we're just doing, uh, we're just throwing down some miles at like 540, 535. And nice. that's uh, yeah, it has been, it has been really nice. And uh, it's been I feel like I've been able to do that because I'm running with someone who's a higher caliber runner than I am, which is something I don't usually get the opportunity to do. Uh, it's been another part of like the, the great environment. It's just, uh, uh, you know, don't be the, don't be the smartest person in the room. Don't be the fastest person in the group. It's like, it's always nice to have someone who's kind of beyond where you're at as something to kind of hold on to, you know, granted you do so healthily. So, uh, so yeah, we've been running. I feel like I've been getting pushed uh, a little further past that, that discomfort zone. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I'll push that even a little bit further, like specifically going hard, quote unquote, too hard, and then seeing how I can recover from that and then make a second push. So that's something I'll entertain. Yeah, I like it. I like that you're putting, your, you're putting yourself in those faster times. Because I don't know if that's necessarily something you've done on your own. Yeah, not to that degree. It is something that yeah. I've messed with more this year, but I feel like I've had to earn that. I've had to earn, earn that. Um, you know, it's like putting the aerobic work don't just hop into like the sexy workouts, like put in a lot of slow work and then, and then sharpen, (laughs) sharpen responsibly. Mm. You know, I agree. I like, I like the way you say put, you say like put, like put, put, 
Uh, like, 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 yeah, terrible like, a, call. Like, like a putter. Yes. <laughs> um, so like Although that, I will, I will play you in mini golf and I will bet $5 knowing I will lose it. I'll have a great time. Okay. I'll take that bet at, at not, not at altitude. I can't play. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not adapted to mini golf at altitude. Uh, the balls go further here. Let's hear resistance. Yes, that, that that's true. Did you know in like the longest field goal on record in the NFL, it's only been at they call it Mile High Stadium in Denver, like sixty three yards. People have hit that number, and it's always there because the ball travels further. I bet um, you everyone in Denver is like not because our team's superior. None we just have the sickest team. kickers. We're awesome at <laughs> kicking. Congrats, Broncos. Um, so the. And then is it, it's world, world toughest or are you doing Telluride? No, I'm going to do uh, world toughest. Orange, you're looking for that orange jaka? Yeah, for sure. They said it's going to be a quote unquote punishing course, but yeah, what does that mean again? Like, we'll see. We'll see. Definitely want an orange jacket, but like, definitely want to win also. So we'll see. We'll see. Who, who gets orange jackets? The winners or just the People winners? Who 100. 100. People who had 100 miles. So first priority, 100 miles. Second priority, podium. Third priority. Schwin it. Nice. I like it. That'll be fun, man. Cause it's been a while since it's been there. And, and like you're now in like the, the climate in Nevada is going to be closer to that, what you're in now than it was at home. Right. Where yeah, it's like damn Although and hilariously, wet. it'll be like 300 feet above sea level, which is super funny. I know. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> so let's, let's see how that feels. There's just like thick down there. Ugh. That good breathing air. You see level folks. I'm breathing this air. good air down here. It feels nice. My not my nostrils are always never dry. It's great. Oh, my nostrils are so dry. Oh my They're gosh. Chapped lips. <laughs> never chapped. Okay. That's just real. That's real. It's happening. That's, right that's real talk. Well, that'd be okay. fun. When that's November. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. November uh, like 13, 14. Nice. Is that when OCR stars is happening? That's coming out again, right? Uh yes. That I think that the first week in November is those it's three weeks so the first week of november then the second week that'd be fun for you to this the, the the one event is oh the one event would be perfect i know like hunter said it on on this podcast where it's a max it's a max deadlift mm-hmm. and a one rep max pull up and then a max dead hang like an oh, shit score dude that's like that's fun i'm looking at that i'm like okay cool i'll do good at the i'll do well to deadlift i'll do well in that max pull up. i'm not gonna do well in the the dead hang but you probably would do until like why wouldn't you it's like what are the regulations on the bar can you use chunk you know what's what's going on there yeah but like some people have dead hangs that are like six to eight minutes if i'm like pushing toward three i'll be i've never had it over three it's not something i train like why would you do it's weird it's one of those weird things right it's like the guy who has the eight hour plank record or something it gets to this it gets to a point where it's no longer difficult you're just kind of there yeah it's like there's some sort of threshold to be broken have you done a max dead hang uh recently good golly not in not in a while i feel like the last no i haven't done it in quite some time the last time i did any like significant dead hangs i haven't had a good pull up right here i do single yeah. dead hangs and just like shift one minute one side one minute to the other i'll right, hang right, from the bar right. for six minutes but i'm shifting back and forth and i wonder if that's going to be a rule right like i can definitely hang longer if i'm doing something like that like the you my forearms will recover very quickly like even just a little bit of reprieve but as i'm sure most people's will so if like you can take your if you can single arm hang and switch back and mm-hmm. forth i don't think that should count i think it's just be like once yeah. that hand leaves the bar just so people aren't hanging totally. for 20 minutes i i agree dude actually i've been uh, i just used it a couple times uh, 
Anthony's got this hookup with this company Lactigo. It's like supposed to reduce the amount of like lactate being produced. It's really interesting. I've, I can, I can say subjectively, I definitely feel less of a burn, but one thing that I noticed is like all this, I don't like feel the burn. Is it a dietary like, supplement or is it neutral? What is it? No. Oh, it's a, uh, it's skin. It's topical. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like put it on your skin, you put it on the working muscles and, uh, and then you literally feel less of a burn. So well, I did a test and it, they're like, do the, do the like to go test, like put on one half of your body and not the other and see what happens. And legit, like one leg was burning while I was running and the other wasn't. Huh. However, I would say that they both like fatigued at the same time. Just the one without the burn was suddenly like up, oh, lost power, but it didn't like burn up to it. So that was really interesting, but there's more to be experimented with that. Is it so, like, like a, forearms. is it like a, is it like block pain receptors? It can't stop. No, I don't know. It's like, it's Why some it... acid reducer. I don't know. Localized acid reducer. I, don't know. Huh. I haven't done my research on it. I just used it because it was right. Well, now. I was like, oh, I might, need to gra- I, need, I might need to grab some of that though. <laughs> Elacto, Elactigo? Uh, lac, lactigo. Lactigo. La- no, yes. Lacto- no affiliation yet. Yet. Um, yeah, I'll, do, I'll do check check that. Oh yeah, dude. So you do you can do the full OCR stars though? Yeah, I'll do those OCR stars. Like uh, I'm doing, I, I got uh, Decafit next week in New Jersey. Is that the uh, one that uh, uh, Kent is going to as well? No, Kent's doing a Deca Mile this weekend, okay. and mm-hmm. I think he's going to do High Rocks the following week, or the 25th or something like that. But it's me, me and Riker, me and Riker. We're gonna all right size it up. We're gonna we're gonna punch each other. It's gonna be great. Uh, so there's no elbows. Be upset. There's gonna be elbows. The and then I'm getting married next month. And then I'm like have my like we're doing a honeymoon like that next weekend. And then and then that leads right into OCR stars. So like I can't I like I'm gonna enjoy myself for the for those weeks. So physically <laughs> I might feel less than hunted. Less than hunted. But but so like it'll still be fun. There's like he's Hunter saying that there might be a, a like an in person event like an OCR Stars Games, so that you have to qualify through like kind of like the CrossFit Open qualifies cool. to like the next level. So that would so be like, plus. Spartan, he's like the Spartan Games suck. I'm gonna make my own. Spartan Games do suck. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'd be interested to see what happens with like who who will be who in, they invite in this year. Yeah, you know, well, I was just talking to Riker uh, last. Last week, he's on uh, like a torque talk, and he had a, an interesting thought. If like they will bring the Deca Fit record holder to because it's a Spartan event, mm-hmm. they, they should invite the Deca Fit record holder. So I would if, think if Reich, if Riker or I break the record, it's still it's my oh, record right now. But like if Riker breaks it, or if I go even further, like will we catch an invite? It's soon. It's like October something. I thought they said, mm. but it's in Colorado, mm. so you should you should make your make your way there. Oh, is it? That's what, that's what their preliminary. I'll go crash that party. Go crash it. You can be there. Dude, that'd Um, be, that'd be pretty sweet. I would definitely cheer for you. I'll cheer for Riker too. You're both my boys. Yeah. Yeah. But you, yeah. Do you think you, so OCR stars falls right in the middle of, because I'm I'm probably not going to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am going to, I'm going to train so steadily and specifically that I have Mm. zero doubt in my mind that there's anything more I could have done. That's props, man. That's something that that's a message that need that I think many people don't want to live. Like it's like, yes, you have to commit to this commitment of what you 
wants to achieve. And it takes a certain level of discipline to stay on course with it. And like, like race hopping and like taking opportunities that are in front of you because they're just something that's there. I think derail people. And so like, that's perfect example. It's like, no, no, no. Like I'm not doing West Virginia because that's that like will ultimately be detrimental and away from my goals. Like my goals are to run well at Tahoe and do well at world's toughest mutter. And what's going to help me do better at that is being in Durango. And then same thing with Jersey. I was like, no, no, how is this going to help me at all? Like it might be fun, but it's not going to help. So I love that. So, so keep that rolling. We'll do man. <laughs> um, come on. So, and what's going on with the coaching? You got any spots? You got spots open? I do. Yeah. I could take two right now. Okay. It's been really, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, shout out to all the people that I've, I've had the opportunity to work with so far. I, I really enjoy every single person that I'm working with. Uh, and then some of them are like, especially, especially crushing it and look out for some of those guys at a uh, Telluride and, uh, and Nevada our world's toughness. I'm super excited about that, but, but yeah, that's been, that's been going super well. Uh, definitely would love to work with a couple other people who are feeling very committed. You know, if you're, if you're a person who, who wants to get down on what we're calling like the monk mode here, you really want to hone in on, on a project on something in the future and you're really committed to it. I would be, it'd be my biggest pleasure to work with you for sure. Do you have a, uh, have you found that you're working well, with athletes who are more in one specific discipline or like if say like someone's like, yeah, it sounds cool, but like, I want to do something, I want to do like stadiums or does it matter? Is it the commitment there and like them being open to working with you is, or does it matter? Like who, who do you like working yeah. with? Com- commitment first and foremost, attitude is the, is what I want first. I want a good attitude, you know, like you're stoked on it. You're, you're in it. Uh, and then second, and then, then second, I would say that I, my specialty is more towards like, endurance mountain runners for sure. Although, you know, definitely worked with, uh, with some people who are getting ready for OCR stars some people who, uh, enjoy stadiums more than some of the shorter races, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you got the attitude. I'm open to you. Sweet, man. And I can say, you know, your knowledge is obviously top notch. Uh, I've told you that before, but like your application, I've seen like how you apply the, co- the coaching piece as well. And it's as good as anything that, that, that is available, anything that I've, I've seen. So, uh, hundred percent endorsement. Not that it matters for me, but like coach, coaching's the, your coaching's the real deal. So if you're interested, holla at your boy, what, um, just IG. Oh yeah. I'm still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. The Joshua Reed J underscore J. I said that way too fast. I say everything way too fast. J underscore. Did you say J underscore J J U N D E R underscore J A underscore S H U A underscore R I E D. That's me. Holla at Holla at Holla at him. All right, buddy. This was super fun. I love you like a brother. Thank you so much for coming on here. This is this is great to catch up. And I'm 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 absolutely stoked to see you get out on the course. Um hopefully Tahoe. Hopefully world's toughest if all these things keep going. But no matter what, if it's this year, if it's next year, whenever it is, you're gonna you're gonna crush. Thanks, brother. I just greatly appreciate you and that uh, and that support. All right, bro. Later. <laughs> Later, Rich. <laughs>